Margaret Mary O'Connor has made it her mission to reveal the truth of your Catholic Church. With a bachelor's degree from the University of New York at Buffalo and a Master of the Arts in Pastoral Ministry from Christ the King Seminary in East Aurora, New York, she's the author of the book Scandal in the Shadows, which is available on Amazon. And it's a book discussing some of the controversial subjects in the church today. Now she joins me on the Power to Pivot podcast to talk about the book, as well as some of the secrets that have been buried away for quite some time in the church. Margaret Mary is leading the way, creating a new conversation on important topics like women's discrimination and sexual abuse in the church, and she's on the picket lines to help keep those and other issues in the forefront of Catholics' minds. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miles. This is the Power to Pivot podcast, and here we share inspiring stories, resources, tips, and fun ideas to help you pivot to new ideas, new goals, and new dreams for your life. Are you ready? It's time to pivot. Guys, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. I can't wait to share today's episode with you. I am speaking with author Margaret Mary O'Connor. She is talking about, in her book, Scandal in the Shadows, some of the unbelievably just crazy truths about what has been held from us in the Catholic Church in history. Um, We're going to talk about her book. We're going to talk about, you know, all the things that she has going on in her work today. Margaret, how are you? Oh, I'm doing real good. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to have you here. Tell us how you came to write Scandal in the Shadows. Uh, Yes, I, I grew up back in the 1950s in the Catholic Church. And from the time I was little, I was told that by the priest anyway, that there just weren't any woman priests. But over the years, I would hear maybe what I would consider rumors, you know, that yes, there were woman priests. Well, this went on my whole lifetime and I finally resolved, uh, you know, just out of the curiosity of it, I'm gonna try to find an answer to this. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, it was wonderful. I came upon several books that have been written either by a Catholic priest, uh, Protestant ministers, or even uh, woman religious uh, Catholic sisters. Mm -hmm. So the research is here. It's biblical research. This isn't uh, made up because as we go along, I'll be mentioning different things. And I know uh, if there are fellow Catholics and Christians out there listening, you are going to be floored. But I really want you to consider that this is the truth and what have you missed out on as a woman your own religious heritage has really been lost down through the centuries and uh, i'm i'm wrote this because as a woman uh i i think any woman um you never want to be lied to but then to realize what this cover-up has meant towards not only my own faith life but think of all the millions of Catholics here in the U.S. and even uh, worldwide that have no idea that uh, such information exists. Mm -hmm. So I know the primary focus of the book is talking about the fact that Mary, mother of God, had the title of priest and it was taken away. Yes, she was called Mary Priest Mm -hmm. and Her title was the model for all priesthood in the Catholic Church. In other words, the priest would uh, pray to her, you know, like to try to to help them. And again, it's just, it's unbelievable because what we've been raised with from the time, if you're Catholic, is being, you know, very small, that this uh, wasn't even an issue and that there never were. Uh, woman priest and lo and behold I mean Mary mother of God being a woman priest Mm -hmm. uh, this is such a marvelous uh, exciting information and basically no one knows anything about it and um, that's why I'm here today because I want fellow Catholics and uh, Christians to realize that this is the truth and especially if you're a woman, a younger woman in our church, what real role model did you have 
uh, as far as like your aspirations to be a woman priest. Yes, there was um, Mary, Mother of God, but we only knew her then at, not as a woman priest. And there was the one woman apostle, Mary uh, Magdala. But this is, to me, this is groundbreaking information because what will this mean for the younger generation within the younger ladies within the Catholic Church? Mm -hmm. What better role model could you have today than Mary, Mother of God? Well, I think it's interesting. So I grew up uh, in, I was raised in a Catholic family. I went to Catholic school from the time I was in kindergarten through eighth grade. And I remember, I think I was probably second or third grade. And I remember questioning, why are there no women priests? Oh, <laughs> that was a question that the, I will never forget the nun who taught me that year. She set and, you straight. And I was cold. I was told I was oh. a very bold and brazen thing for asking. <laughs> oh, and I no. laugh about that now. But, but if you think about it, right, you know, yeah. it was just accept it and be quiet. And we don't question this. But there was never an explanation why. And why? I, I kind of thought, I don't really like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if you could give me some hard facts as to why, you know, we can't be but, but really what you bring up a good point, because it, it's, I, I see churches are struggling. The Catholic Church is struggling. It's, it needs something, you know, you're, you're losing momentum in terms of having people joining the church and wanting to be part of this community you're limiting the people that can lead the church and you know there's something to be said about maybe now it's time for this truth to come out and and kind of help the church along the way um how did it get to be though that this was shut down at what point did the church go we don't want people to know this Okay, believe it or not, this, this uh, number is going to be shocking because when you look at 2,000 years of Catholic Church history, mm -hmm. 1927, again, you know, which isn't long when you're comparing it with 2,000 years, uh, what happened was um, Mary, in that year, the, uh, the hierarchy came out, the Roman officials, and said, there would no longer be devotion to Mary Priest. And right away, um, I was reading a book by uh, John uh, Wingard, The Ordination of Woman in the Catholic Church. And the thought came to my mind, well, wow, that's shocking, 1927. I know my mother or grandmother didn't hear about this because, you know, someone would have been talking about it. But why did this happen? And he mentioned he said, is it a coincidence that in that same year, there were women from other faith denominations that were beginning to speak up that they themselves wanted to become a uh, woman priest? Mm -hmm. So it is very ironic, you know, the, uh, the timing, what do they say? There's no coincidences. Yeah. Uh, so that was the reason for that. But in 1903, there was a, a Pope, uh, Louis, uh, Louis XIII, and he had received uh, a painting of Mary in priestly garb. And this was allowed by the Roman officials, you know, for him to hang that painting. Yet 1913, there was a change. This was no longer accepted. Hmm. But you know how you had just mentioned uh, a little while ago about you know, why is this that women with, you know, they, they can't be priests? What's going on? If we go way back in our church history, Rome, of course, was in charge of anything, everything. They had the big money. They had the big armies. Well, as well, they began this whole process of Roman law. Mm -hmm. And you had Roman uh, Latin-speaking church theologians that decided Oh, and this again came from John Winsgaard's book. Let's um, shape our church law after this Roman law. So you have these church theologians that are living under Roman law and have already, in a sense, been introduced to the 
um, the prejudice of this Roman law against women. So now we're going to take that same prejudices, but we're just going to move it into our church law. So way from the very beginning, there was already, there was this bias uh, against women. And the uh, early uh, church uh, theologians and the canon lawyers, um, they had such weird uh, views of women. Uh, first of all, women were inferior. They weren't made in the image of God. They were unclean. And what I mean by that is they're referring to the birthing process of uh, a mother. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, after uh, the child comes out, the, the child is covered in blood. Well, they just had this un, unbelievable view that this was just basically disgusting. And they even referenced Jesus had to be in the womb for nine months and then had it come out through the blood. Well, that was the blood, obviously, of his mother. But uh, I'm just trying to give you an idea how perverse um, their views were. Mm -hmm. And uh, a canon lawyer at that time was basically putting all the blame of, like, uh, the women were the charmers of the, the religious men, like, making them stray. You know, they, they were at fault for that. But he was calling them... Uh, she-wolves, night owls, uh, just uh, unbelievable. This went on. And, and then there was another man that went on. If I, I want to get back to the thought about the, the, the birthing, you know, the uncleanliness, there was a term in the church called churching. And if a woman, when she had her child, if it was a boy, she had to wait 40 days before she could get back into the church because of the um, the uncleanliness, you know, uh, of that act. But if it was a girl, that time was doubled to 80 days. And then they also had this thing in sorrow, you are born, uh, referencing again, the curse uh, of Adam. I'm not laughing at what you're saying. I'm laughing at the absurdity of what they this like just not that it's not true or anything like that like it's just it seems because I don't look at people like that you know so to me the fact that the church <laughs> has and I know it's true I get it um it just seems to just it's crazy to me how you could look at people like that and and make that clear distinction clearly men are better the males are better than the girls and you know now i look at it from a church perspective and it doesn't really matter the denomination to me if you if you get the call to lead in faith mm -hmm. your gender should not matter one way or the other if you are knowledgeable have the call and the, that desire and passion for leading the church i, I don't I don't agree that there should be that distinction so no but it, it just shows how they definitely from way back they were they they were on this road if you will this perverse road against women mm -hmm. and this of course went up through the middle ages you had uh, uh, this one uh, canon lawyer that started to question were women ever ordained I don't believe they were ordained, yet the Council of Chalcedon uh, assumed that they were ordained. So you had like canon lawyers even going against uh, the various church councils. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people will say, oh, she's sexist or she has such views against men. But this is all where these crazy uh, thoughts originated through, you know, the early church, the Middle Ages. And... Um, Right up to today, I'm I always wonder about now. Wait a minute, why is this hierarchy uh, like not allowing women to become priests? Well, it comes down to our inequality. Well, then you wonder. Okay, from the time we were little, we knew we were baptized, so that meant we were members of the church. 
And of course you would, you, I know you should never assume, but you would assume if you were baptized with the same wording, uh, uh, you know, ceremonies performed exactly the same way as for a little baby boy, well, where is that inequality? Mm -hmm. So then you look back to the church, they gave these five statements and they always say there are five um, reasons which have biblical um, merit behind them why any woman uh, is never could be a priest in our church. But yet, lo and behold, the new biblical research contends that these are all purely uh, prejudicial in nature, cultural prejudice. And they go back to the assumption where men were saying that women were never made in the image of God. Uh, men at that time, of course, it was uh, highly patristic and uh, they had dominion over women, unfortunately, and basically uh, saw them as nothing. So that's where that started. And then of course, the, the view that, gee, women can't uh, teach in the church and you'll hear like uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 34, 35, or 1 Timothy 2, 12. Well, through the biblical research, they found out that there was this common law, and it said that women could not um, preach out in or teach out in public because of their emotional instability and their mental intellect. And of course, with this common law, who had this, uh, this was more prevalent in women than in men. Then we move on to uh, the belief that women carried uh, Eve's punishment. And this goes way back to Genesis. Again, it's very, uh, consists of cultural prejudice. But lo and behold, within in the church, there were perfect candidates for the priesthood. And uh, these were uh, the men. And of course, just the inference of women like having a sin, of course, that that wouldn't make them stellar candidates. And then we've always heard that Jesus uh, picked uh, specifically the 12 males to uh, represent the 12 tribes of Israel. But if you look at it from a cultural perspective, Ancient Israel was really uh, patristic uh, in nature, and Jesus just knew there was no way that he's going to pick 12 women. Uh, I mean, he would have been run off of some cliff. Uh -huh. uh, it, just, it just wouldn't have flied. And then the last reason is because uh, Jesus was a male. Well, then only um, men can be up there at the consecration. And again, all of these reasons have been proven to be cultural prejudice. So I guess my question is, why hasn't our hierarchy today come out with a pronouncement saying um, these uh, reasons uh, really don't hold up anymore because they aren't uh, uh, biblical in nature. They are purely uh, cultural prejudice. And there is this deafening silence. There's nothing. <laughs> well, it is a good question, though. Is it relevant for today? And the answer is no. <laughs> I think, you know, yeah. you could, I think, honestly, for me, you could almost take the, the, what is written out of the conversation, because that was like thousands of years ago. You look at just based on today and where do we sit today? And is it relevant, the way this is written now, the way the, the law is written, is it relevant for where we are as a people? Does that make sense? And I think as, as leaders, it's important to be like constantly looking and refining that and what's really right for the people and, and, and for followers. And it just does not, it, it still doesn't make sense to me. So what, well, first, before I go and on, <laughs> um, no, where can people right. find your book? <laughs> Let me take a pause for that rant for a second. Where can we find the book? Yes, uh, my web 
website is yourradicaltruth.com, mm-hmm. yourradicaltruth.com, and um, it is being sold through Amazon. Okay, great. So we'll make sure that we put it all in the show notes too for Thank where you. people can find you and the book. And um, at what point did you know that you could not hold back from doing this work? Like, what was that moment like where you're like, I got to write this book or I got to, because you're on the picket lines, like you're out there making a way, you know, giving women a voice, trying to really help women rise up and be present in the church as leaders. What was that moment like for you when you realized you could not avoid the call anymore? Yes, it was after, uh, you know, I found out that I had been lied to. And that really... (laughs) You just said no more. (laughs) Yes, uh, maybe it's my Irish descent, but uh, that uh, didn't go uh, over very well (laughs) with myself. And uh, I thought, wait a minute, I have to do something because uh, I don't care what the situation is. You just can't stay stuck in a situation. And in this case, when you think of it, it's it's so hard to swallow, let alone try to digest that this is a, a scandal within our church, which has gone on for centuries. Mm-hmm. And our church today is still uh, lying to us. <laughs> Excuse me for one second. Mm-hmm. And anyway, when I got to that point, I thought, well, there's, there has to be something I can do to try to make some type of a difference here. And that's when I thought of initially uh, writing this book. But then I as well was a little hesitant because the realization was coming to me that I am just one person out there. And in fact, uh, a podcast host, uh, Matt Napple said, Margaret, are you David going against Goliath? And I said, yes, I'm little David going against the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. But seriously, the, the enormity of that, um, I'm one person out there and there are other people that have written books, but I really, I looked at it from the standpoint, if I wouldn't have come across this research and found the wonderful research of these other individuals, I would not even know that this is even an issue mm-hmm. that Mary is a woman priest or was a woman priest in our, our church. And there were women priests, there were women bishops and there were women deacons. And yet today we are still being lied to. So anyway, that, that it pushed me really gave me the momentum and it was my conscience. I just couldn't let this thing go. And uh, I really believe if you're coming from a point of your conscience, um, then I have the truth behind me. So I I can really speak from my uh, heart. And I think that's made a a world of difference too. And I am trying to reach like anyone that's that's listening out there. um, I'm trying to initiate a conversation here in the US and I'd like it to go uh, uh, worldwide. And I want any woman to realize that, yes, you have been lied to, and that is awful, but you have a whole new chance to experience your faith life, your spirituality from a a completely different stance. And the only way that things will ever change is if all of us, Catholics, Christians, even if you're men listening and you have a sister out there or you have a mother and you don't think this is right the way that uh, they are, uh, they don't even have equal equality in their church. Well, then I do have a petition on my website and it is regarding Mary, mother of God. And I would like uh, Pope Francis to reinstate that title. When Mary's title was taken away from her, what happened was and first of all, I was just floored when I read that. Mm-hmm. How could the hierarchy ever take 
Mary, of all people, take her title away from her? It, it was the way they did it, Elizabeth. You had this uh, Roman official talking to a, a newspaper man, which ran an article, you know, explaining there was going to be this change. And uh, the Roman official is saying to the newspaper man, it was well the way you handled this question. It is better that this question be put to sleep. Mm. Well, I mean, seriously, what type of a way is that to be speaking about Jesus's mother as some type of an object, a question? Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, that, that hit me too. So I, I composed a petition and I would like uh, Mary, mother of God, to have her title as the model for all priesthood to be uh, recognized in our church. Uh, I, I think also there was that painting of Mary, mother of God I really believe that that should be brought back and, and should be uh, uh, hung in a church. And as well, the uh, inequality of women in our church. Back in 2010, our present Pope Francis was uh, a cardinal. And he wrote a book, and it was called On Heaven and Earth. And he basically was talking about woman's ordination uh, as this modern feminist attempt to assume male roles rather than like the true restoration of bringing back what was there with all these women's original uh, roles. But the, the thing that was striking was the statement that he made was woman achieved, these feminists achieved their goals back when women attained the right to suffrage. Back in 1920, uh, we we women are doing really good. We have we have no needs, but seriously, take this out of the public arena and bring it in the context back into the church hierarchy. If you have someone that's in control and thinks that women, their uh, rights or whatever they were after, they've attained them. It, is it no wonder today that? The issue of women's inequality in the Catholic Church is not even on uh, the hierarchy's radar. Mm -hmm. And isn't that sad? Mm -hmm. So I think especially when you look at the, the church and, and issues that go on, and I know one of the other topics that you are involved with is the sexual abuse by priests. Like I look at that and I'm like, how can you compare a woman being unclean and prevent her from leading in the church but this is allowed to continue you know i look at that and i just don't understand when the the whole problem really is the hierarchy there is it is unbelievable understand it but why does it keep hierarchy that we have is in the driver's seat case for what they haven't done. There has been a deliberate cover-up by the hierarchy of our church. Now, what do I mean? Back in 1976, the Pope has his own commission, and it's called the Pontifical Biblical Commission. They came out with this wonderful statement, and it said their findings there is absolutely no reason why a woman biblically can't be ordained. So right there is the opening, uh, you know, for allowing women to be priests. So what have they done? Since 1976, they have completely sat on that. They have done nothing. And go back to 1974, there was another commission, uh, some type of an international theological commission, and they were actually looking into the role of women as deacons. And boy, did they ever find out um, the real truth behind this. Um, there was three uh, original Greek uh, religious writings, and they were all in agreement that the ordination for deacons, whether it was a man or a woman, the ordination was they were in the church, 
they were on the altar in the presence of the bishop. And the bishop would lie hands over them, um, you know, praying. And each uh, received a stole to put around their necks. And as well, they both received the cup to drink from. And uh, women at that time were called deaconesses. So I guess my question again is, since the church sat on this, this 1974 findings, there would never have been any need in 2016 for Pope Francis to start a whole new commission studying the issue of woman deacons. So we know now, and isn't this exciting? We know that what, there's no roadblock really there for women to be priest, except mm -hmm. for the hierarchy. Women were deacons, deaconesses. So again, except for the hierarchy, uh, Vatican II had, uh, I don't know, may, many people may not be familiar with this, but briefly, uh, Pope John XXIII wanted to open the windows of the Catholic Church. He wanted um, Catholics and especially like the priest to be aware of the signs of the times. And in there were different constitutions. And one was on the uh, pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world. And in Gaudium Espez Article 29, in so many words, it said it wanted to eliminate any type of sexual discrimination. Well, hello. Uh, so here they've sat on this. The hierarchy as well is disavowing Jesus's own words on woman's equality. Uh, we know Galatians 3, 28. Um, there is neither male or female. All are one in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Or go back uh, into Genesis 1:27. In the divine image, God created female and male. Males, God made them. So to me, it's like it, it's a deliberate cover-up. There's all these different uh, commissions, uh, Vatican II, Jesus's own words, uh, you know, being denied. And until the average everyday Catholic really comes forward and decides this is not right, nothing will change. And that's why it's so important. Uh, if you could just look over the petition, of course, it's your conscience. If you see something there you agree with, that's wonderful. I really would appreciate your signature because as I do every podcast, I keep gaining on the number of signatures. Mm -hmm. And eventually this will be you know, sent to Rome because I want them to see how important the issue of women's equality actually is. Mm -hmm. and they are not going to see that until they see huge numbers. It'd be a huge turnover in the church, like thousands of years, you know, or long, long time that women have been kind of shushed away. And um, I think it would be, I'll be interested to see how things roll out because I'm imagining the um, kind of coming out with their tail between their legs sort of like we've been wrong all this time and and we're going to change our minds and that's not an easy place for the church to be in position wise I think that they can do it um from a respectful in a respectful way you know where but it, ultimately it's time it doesn't matter if if you want I think it comes back to the mission right if your goal mm -hmm. as the church is to teach or preach these messages it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, like let the people who want to lead and, and have that call, the willingness and the desire to, to lead, lead and teach. Um, I, I, I just, you have a lot of um, courage to take this on, um, but you're out there, like you're on the picket lines, you are on the podcast, you are, this is your mission, your mission in life. Yes, it really is. And oh my God, my work is cut out for me. 
So uh, I'm, I'm really, I, I just hope people don't think, well, who is this lady? She's bashing <laughs> the Catholic church. And yes, I'm, I'm bringing up their deficiencies, but I'm, I, I hopefully, I want you to see that with the biblical research that this isn't my fantasy, this is the truth. And what this would mean personally to your own faith lives and more importantly, to uh, your children, to any young girls coming up. Mm -hmm. Because um, they did a study and this is really sad. There are so many millennial young Catholic women that are leaving the Catholic church because they have had it with the hypocrisy Mm -hmm. They have had it with being lied to. And um, basically, um, again, their spirituality, if they get the call, just like any man gets the call, obviously, uh, within our own Catholic church, we, we can go nowhere. So we have, have to go somewhere else. And isn't that sad? It makes me a little frustrated because, and I'm not saying that I was one who did get the call, but I just it opens up opportunity. I think this is a time for our world to to look at the potential for innovation and creation and and to do that requires a level of inclusion that we've never seen before. And this is a way that we get there. Oh, definitely. And today of all times with the priest shortage yeah, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. Whoa, hello. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a math problem now. Like you just don't have enough people to do the work that's meant to be done. <laughs> um, so, and I, it also, one thing I want to bring up is, and you, we don't have to speak about this at this point, but it's not just Mary as the mother of God that's been kind of shushed into the shadows you know and, and you actually you did allude to this in the beginning it was mary magdalene was also an apostle that nobody wants to acknowledge the fact that you know who she was and her role in the church mm -hmm. um you know we had female teachers the evidence more and more keeps coming out you know what happened to her we nobody wants to take that on and acknowledge it and i think this is a good framework to start so Oh, and what you just said, if I could just uh, bring up one point about the apostles, you know, we all hear just the one story of Jesus picking only 12 male apostles. Well, this woman, Ida Ramming, she did biblical research and wow, she found out something it's called the, um, <clears throat> oh my God, now I can't think of the first name. <laughs> But it's basically, it's relating to like, who were the apostles? Mm -hmm. And going way, way back, an apostle was anyone who was soundly and officially sent out by their community or by the risen one. So mm -hmm. then when you start to look into the biblical research, you hear other names uh, beyond uh, Mary uh, Magdala, you hear uh, Susanna, you hear Nina, you hear the woman uh, at the tomb, you hear the Samaritan woman. Uh, so then it just even gives more credence to the, uh, the, the factual part of this, that there were woman apostles. That mm -hmm. was the concept of apostles. <laughs> well, what, the question that I, I look at where the church is today and the apostles and there's evidence to show that, you know, those apostles pioneered some of their own churches, like some of the origin orig originations, wow, um, of some of the, the churches that we have today came from the apostles, but they're slightly different or very different from the Catholic church. and even still from Jesus's teachings. So the, the question, and then we don't even acknowledge, you know, the, the women. Um, so that, that brings the question to me is, did Jesus know that that was going to happen when he chose these people? <laughs> so, and, and perhaps that's a question for another time, but because now we're getting into the theology of it. But can you tell us a little bit more 
about some of the other avenues. I want to kind of make sure that we cover because you talk about so many different things you're involved in so many different aspects of the church and really creating this force for change can you talk a little bit about some of the other things that you do well um when i pick it especially for um against the pre-sexual abuse issue i was totally floored uh i would figure there would be other fellow catholics you know out picketing with me and if there's five people, there's a crowd. And, mm -hmm. you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm trying to go back to, there was like, used to be the pray and obey uh, context uh, in our church that you just knew um, you would never question your pastor, you know, let alone what Rome was doing. And I'm not using it as an excuse, but then you do get into that complacency that and I think that's why the, the pre-sexual abuse issue took off to where it did. If there's no one around to, to be questioning or really, you know, investigating uh, what's going on. But I guess I was also floored that how can a bishop, if they know credibly, you know, with what the study supposedly they do to look in if someone is, you know, needs counseling as they say or whatever, uh, how can they make the call if they know that this person really raped a child, that they can call that a sin rather than a crime? If they call it or label it a sin, then that priest never gets arrested. Mm -hmm. That priest never goes on trial and obviously never has to serve time. And Again, if I'm, I'm picketing for this issue or if I'm picketing for the woman priest issue, the hierarchy, it is really, you see the pulse of, you know, where so many uh, fellow Catholics are coming from. They are just so uh, upset and they will either verbally get very upset or uh, make, I'm, I'm being polite, make disparaging words, comments. Um, you're the ones, you're the ones that are destroying the church. Mm -hmm. Shut your mouth before you look more stupid than you are. Mm. Go to that church a few blocks down. You know, we can laugh about that, but it's, they, unfortunately, they hear what the hierarchy says, and that is it. They won't even momentarily consider this new research. And that's a whole other avenue that has to be worked upon because uh, maybe a lot of women don't even care about this issue because let's face it, if I went out and I asked a woman, um, who was Lita? Mm -hmm. Who was Kale? Who was Martita? These were all woman priests. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't know and I, I, I wouldn't know unless I had read this. And that's why we have to bring back into our church, our lectionary has to bring back this rich history of women, whether they were priests, bishops, uh, deacons, apostles. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's also so many Catholics that are afraid uh, to get involved because they think perhaps that they're breaking church law. But I want to let them know uh, in uh, Vatican II under... Uh, the uh, laity, it specifically said, uh, if there's a matter of like, you know, really of importance that the laity are able to speak out. And so you aren't breaking church law by speaking out. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's fear or complacency? Because like, we could talk about it being complacency, but do you think people are afraid? Uh, I think especially the older generation, uh, because let's face it, the more years you go that you were involved in the pray and the obey mentality, uh, and then plus their health. And again, I'm not trying to put all old, old people into one basket. No, it's not that. But I think predominantly, I think they are the ones that are uh, very afraid. And it is the predominantly the older generation that is saying that, that you are the people that are destroying the church. Mm -hmm. And in fact, a lady came over to me, we were, we were picketing against the pre-sexual abuse and she was raving and ranting and she 
flung open her coat. I thought, oh my God, does she have a gun? And she had a cup of holy water. It was in the middle of winter when she fl flung open her coat and she proceeded to bless us. And I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm Catholic. I know exactly, you know, what's going on in that church. But until Catholics are able to get out of being the denial mode. And I think actually it is easier to be in denial or you said complacency too, mm -hmm. because then you don't have to get involved. And, you know, the beauty of my petition is you don't have to walk out on the picket line. You don't even have to make a phone call or write a letter. Uh, it, it's, it's really all there for you but I would really appreciate any of the listeners, you know, spread the word, tell your other family members, your friends, because I really believe this has to be like a grassroots effort. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if you're not to the point where you're ready to sign petitions and, you know, that's fine too. I think it's, it's also just as important to start asking questions oh, and, yes. you yes. know, make it an exploratory adventure for yourself like you're investigating this because you know a lot of information is out there um start asking questions start challenging the status quo start challenging those that have been in power for a while start asking new questions and it's not don't keep asking the same questions let's change the question because we keep getting to the same answer and we're not getting anywhere so it's time to create a new conversation about it but it so it's just as important to start asking those questions and doing the research and getting involved that way as it is to be signing the petitions and on the picket lines and eventually you know maybe you'll be ready to join the force you know what i mean and and get on board Either way, do something, because I think we can all agree, no matter what, the system hasn't worked <laughs> for a while. So we got to start yes, somewhere. And, <laughs> and as you said, uh, asking the questions is wonderful, because then that as well, uh, you're really, you know, getting into the issue and then it, it's starting like a conversation in mm -hmm. a sense, you know, uh, what you find out and you maybe, you know, tell someone else and then oh, I didn't realize that or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, anything like that to really uh, stir the pot because uh, for centuries with the hierarchy saying that there never were woman priests, they basically have put the kibosh on any questioning mm -hmm. because why would you question something? They have told you, you know what I mean? In that sense, and that's why I said that they, they are completely uh, in the driver's seat. Yeah. Until, so... Uh, you take our interest and really move on this. <laughs> <laughs> and the book again is called Scandal in the Shadows, the original priest, Mother Mary. Um, and again, it's available on Amazon and on your website, which is yourradicaltruth.com, correct? Yes. Okay, great. And if people have questions for you specifically or about this, where can they find you? Are you on social media? Uh, I am on Facebook, but even over at my site, yourradicaltruth.com, there's information there if they want to, uh, you know, leave a note or whatever. Mm -hmm. All right, great. Um, Margaret, Mary, thank you for joining us. Are there last minute thoughts you want to leave before we wrap up today? Oh, yes. Well, first of all, I want to thank you, Elizabeth. It's just refreshing to have uh, a truthful conversation on the truth of this issue. And uh, that's what I want to leave uh, the listeners with, that we know now this is the truth and what difference I would like you just to ponder, what difference will this really make in your lives and more importantly, in your children's uh, lives? Mm -hmm. Well, you're, you're so welcome. One of the goals for March 4th Media is, um, well, one, we believe that everybody has a story to tell. And we want to be able to share these stories out because, you know, I believe that we create community and can change the world together, but we got to come together and find some common ground. And the only way to do that is with new conversations. And that's well, really what March 4th Media is about, is creating new conversations that can, can start to move the needle in the direction to create positive change and bring people together in the world. And, and 
you know, I, I hope that people can keep an open mind. Religion and politics are probably two of the biggest hot button issues among others. Um, but I hope that people can keep an open mind to what you're saying and not just shut it down. And it doesn't matter what faith you're in. It doesn't matter, you know, male, female, like, can we just take a step back, open our minds to something new and, and see where that gets us? How true. Yes. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on the show today. Guys, make sure to check out the book uh, Scandal in the Shadows on Amazon. Reach out to Margaret Mary on her website uh, if you have questions. And you can always reach out to us as well at marchforthmediacompany.com. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Remember, guys, you are never stuck. You are never lost. And you are never alone at any given moment. You can use your power to pivot make a new choice and start again. And with that, we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Hey guys, it's Liz here from March 4th Media Company. One of the biggest lessons I have ever learned is it is difficult to get what you truly want when you're defining life and your standards by everyone else's definitions. That got me nowhere. I spent so much time, effort, and energy looking around me for answers that I forgot that I had everything I needed right inside of me. What I did lack was a guide to find my way to those answers. And that is exactly what I'm offering you in my new workbook, Connect You, A Guide to Your Authentic Life. This is a workbook that I have written to provide you with a roadmap to connect you with the innermost pieces that make you unique, authentic, and amazing, helping you to tap into the power and possibility within you. It's filled with lessons, activities, content, meditations that are going to guide you to help you learn how to honor your own definitions of success, set boundaries and goals that feel really good to you, and understand your intuition and how to trust it. Take the trip. Connect You, a guide to your authentic life is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or reach out to me online on Instagram, Facebook, or over at marchforthmediacompany.com to grab your copy. Thank you so much to Margaret Mary O'Connor for joining me on the show today. We're going to post all of the important links and places to connect with her in the show notes. Don't forget to check out her book, Scandal in the Shadows on Amazon. And in the meantime, let's continue the conversation over on social media and online. You can find us at www.marchforthmediacompany.com or on Instagram at marchforthmediaco, as well as Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, and YouTube. At March 4th Media Company, we believe that positive change happens when we open our hearts and our minds to new ideas and new conversations, and you are an important part of that conversation, so we can't wait to hear from you. Again, visit us at www.marchforthmediacompany.com now. Sign up for a newsletter, check out the blog, check out some of the other amazing people that we've had the opportunity to talk with here on the show, and grab a copy of our free guide to self-love workbook. Thanks again for tuning in to the Power to Pivot podcast, and until next time, remember your power to pivot.